As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tribune Audio Network. People give me a hard time about my news car because it looks like I'm packed to, you know, go on a family vacation. (laughs) I'm like, you never know when you're going to need snow pants, rain boots, or a shovel. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. We're investigative reporters breaking down the big stories, what it took to get them, taking you behind the scenes. It's the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. On today's episode, oh, the places we go. The unique places this job takes us to get everything we need for a story. Hello, I'm Jenna Sachs here with Brian Polson. Hi, Jenna. And our guest host back for another week, our chief photojournalist, Andy Conkle. Hello, guys. Because Andy has nothing else to do at all, right? I always have time for you guys. Aw, that's very kind. Well, thank you. You're back from covering Air Force One today, right? I am. Always an exciting time to be that close to to see a sitting president. And Air Force One is just such a massive plane. It's it, it gives you goosebumps. And you didn't get caught in the traffic. That's even better. Hey, I needed to be back here in time for this. That's right. Milwaukee County houses thousands of inmates every year, and more than 200 people are paid to guard them. But a critical staffing shortage last year had some correctional officers working massive amounts of overtime. So, Brian, you got calls from correctional officers who said they were being forced to work seven days a week, sometimes 16 hours a day. Yeah, and that sounds crazy. 16, and you know, double shift 16 hours a day while you're in the midst of a seven-day work week. And forced is the right word. The Milwaukee County House of Correction has to maintain, by law, minimum staffing levels for the purpose of public safety. So when they have a bunch of unfilled positions, which they were dealing with last fall, and they have people calling in sick, Their choice is they have to force people to work overtime. Uh, We know all about that here, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure you have a lot of that. Yeah, photographers often have to work overtime to cover the news, and that cuts into our budget. But it sounds like what was happening at the House of Corrections was pretty extreme. Yeah, beyond the norm when you're dealing with just overtime for workers, we found one worker had put in more than... 2,480 hours of overtime in 2018. That's just the overtime. That's not even his regular work hours added in. He literally worked, we found, an average of 12 hours a day, or just barely under that, for 365 straight days. Now, I don't think he worked all 365 straight days, but the average was 12 hours a day every day of the year. And that pushed his salary from $50,000 a year to more than $134,000. Wow. If I recall, his overtime was mostly voluntary. Yeah, for that, he was a sergeant. Most of his overtime was stuff that he wanted to work. He had the ability and the lifestyle where he said, hey, I'm just going to work all the time. He's probably going to retire early and retire well. So that was his choice. But for a lot of other correctional officers, some of whom were coming to us anonymously, uh, they said there'd been a lot of forced overtime where they didn't have a choice. And they some of them were working 16-hour shifts time and time again. They said they couldn't take their regular scheduled days off each week, much less take vacations. And you're expecting to go home and have your dinner, spend time with your wife and kids, 
or do whatever you want to do. And then right before you're supposed to go home, they're told, oh, well, now you got to stay for another eight hours. Now, that's Kevin Schuf's longtime president of the union that represents correctional officers talking to me last fall. At the time, he said correctional officers were stressed and exhausted and no one in county government really seemed to care and that this could be a potential safety issue for the public. That makes sense. So you're hearing these horror stories from workers, but how did you measure just how much overtime they were actually working? Now, well, often, as you know, we'll get people who tell us a situation is bad or they complain. We have to measure it. Okay, how bad is it? Is this worse than, say, some photographers who might go somewhere and complain, Chief Andy's making me work too much. But we wanted to just how bad is this? So we filed open records requests for employee lists at the House of Correction, their regular pay, their overtime pay. But the real hard work came when we got a stack of what they call master force lists. And they were all on paper. They were not computerized data. And that documents all of these forced overtime shifts. And as I said that, executive producer Leanne's sitting six feet away and she just started smiling because we spent, and I say we, she probably spent most of this time, weeks entering this paper data into spreadsheets. Yeah, and I, re- I remember like her locked in her office for weeks going, oh, darn, Brian, Cursing Brian, Brian. my name. So yeah. what, did, what did you wind up finding? Well, what we found is that the average correctional officer in Milwaukee County last year worked 447 hours of overtime. That's the mm. average worker, and a lot of that forced. A cost to taxpayers, and here's why maybe you should care more than anything, it cost taxpayers an extra $4.2 million over and above their regular salaries. And then 80% of that overtime, this is what all that work through those master force lists found, is 80% of it was forced, not voluntary. And you have to worry about the impact on the workers who are putting in those hours. Has the county done anything to try and change the amount of forced overtime? Well, as soon as we got closer to airing the story uh, and they knew what we were doing, they made some changes. They wouldn't specify what they were. They said there were sort of security reasons. They didn't want to say exactly what they were doing, but they did make changes to sort of shuffle the deck a little bit. And I think what they did in some cases is they eliminated some inmate programs. Um, or the cut down hours on certain things um, so that they could have workers who were working focus on the necessary and mandatory things they needed to cover, you know, safety and guarding uh, prisoners. Um, They've done some other things since then. They've talked about upping pay uh, so that they can attract more officers because if you don't have enough workers, that's when you need the overtime. If they could attract and retain people through some of these, uh, you know, uh, promotions or, or added some, you know, added hourly wages, they think maybe they could keep more people around and not have this crisis. But so far, I don't believe those raises have gone into effect. It should be something they're, they're looking at doing the next couple of months. Well, it's, I guess, weighing whether to pay people more or have an extra $4.2 million that you weren't expecting. Absolutely. And then you do ask that question, is the $4.2 million any more expensive than the additional employees with their benefit packages? And you really have to do the math to figure that out. But in the end, if you've got workers who are exhausted and they uh, are are frustrated. Maybe they are falling asleep on the job, and some were saying people are falling asleep on the job. Then you potentially have a public safety issue. What if that's the case where some inmate escapes and and you know and they can't find them or they cause some kind of harm? So right, and we all know what an impact it has on us personally when we can't when we're too tired or overworked to do our jobs up to you know the level we're expected to. Um, so obviously, you heard about this story. I'm sure you wanted to get in there. And you actually got a tour of the House of Correction for this story. Andy, you were the photographer. You were there, too. What was that like? Well, I, you know, remember Brian coming to me, like, at the last minute, like he often does. And uh, (laughs) Really? Come on, don't give away my secrets. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, uh, but, of course, they, you know, 
they want to make sure the people they're letting in, they can do their background check on you. So I'm like, yeah, I can, I can go do that. So to guarantee. So then, um, you know, I think that the tour, it was a, a good tour. I, I was really sort of surprised at, uh, all the access they, they gave us to the facility, um, very organized and, and, and really had no idea the house of corrections had that much space. And you know, what's, it, it, people maybe watching the news might think, oh, I'm sure the news media gets to go in the jails all the time, but it's not very common. We don't really get these looks inside these facilities that so many thousands of people are housed in every year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they don't have to let us into these things, but they were uh, gracious enough to do so. And, you know, it's really eye-opening to kind of what it's like in there. It's not like we spend a night in there or anything, but, you you know, it's it's a place I don't ever want to go back to. So it's an all-male facility or what's it like over there? House of Correction has male oh, and female got inmates. It. Okay. Yeah. Um, they have them segregated into different areas, obviously. And, and we got to see not just the sort of housing units, which they'll have, they have pods, uh, uh, where there will be, you know, inmates in, um, you know, certain areas. And then there's like a common area, things like that. One thing that really stands out is you see sort of like steel tables mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's not a very, you know, it's certainly not a very comfortable looking environment at all. Right. Uh, double stack bunk beds, you really don't have anything that you get to keep, you know, mirrors aren't glass. They're just shiny aluminum the facilities are wide open. There's no privacy in this area for sure. And there were a lot of – we got to see a lot of things, though, that maybe you wouldn't expect or think about when you think prison or, or, or jail. And that is that, you know, they, of course, there's a library, and they, they had a lot of books in the library. Um, they had, you know, their laundry facility, and a lot of inmates were working in the laundry, so we got to see that. There was an area of a print shop. Actually, in Milwaukee County, all of the county's printing services for government agencies are done by inmates – at the House of Correction. And in fact, a lot of uh, non-county agencies, people uh, 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 like private businesses or things will pay the county for print services. So they had a giant print shop with all of these, you know, ink materials and other things that those things kind of stand out to me from the... That and then also found it interesting uh, repairing uh, the the uniforms that they would wear rather than sending them out to get fixed. they They had staff and inmates learn to, to fix, uh, you know, the, the orange jumpsuits they wear because it would be so expensive to send them out or get new ones that they've trained people how to do this. And that only not only helps them there, but then gets them a skill for a job once their time is over. Did they take any steps for your safety? And I asked because I toured a prison for a story once and it was all men. And whenever someone would pass us in the hallway, all these guards would kind of surround me against the wall. So, well, so I was separated from whoever was passing by. Did, they, did you have a lot of people with Milwaukee you? Milwaukee County House of Correction tends to be lower-level offenders who've gotten less than a year in jail. It might be anything from drunk driving to uh, smaller drug possession type things or whatever. It's not typically, you know, sort of your most dangerous necessarily because these are post-conviction, but they got less than a year in prison. One thing they wouldn't let us do is actually shoot video of the inmates. They said without – even though they're in prison uh, or in jail – um, they needed to get their consent. So we didn't have any, we couldn't actually shoot video of, so we didn't see a lot of inmates. They sort of took us to areas where the inmates weren't right. by and large. And and where they were, you know, we obviously had people who worked there around us. So no steps to like kind of get in between us. They trusted that we weren't going to take video. You know, I, I didn't feel like there was any time, you know, we were in danger or anything. I think several of the inmates, they realized we're from Fox 6, so they give us a shout out. Yeah, we love watching <laughs> yeah. you. And, 
Oh, of course, this isn't Andy's first time in prison for a story. <laughs> but Thank we, you. We, <laughs> I, I, I have only been it. to prison for <laughs> stories. I just want to put that on the record. But no, you've actually, like, th- that's weird. You know, those whole, oh, the places we uh, go, <laughs> our stories have taken you to some pretty interesting places. Yeah, you know, normally when people ask me, oh, you've gone to some pretty cool places, I like to talk to, yeah, you know, I've gone to Lambeau Field, I've been to Miller Park, I got to go to the Super Bowl, I got to spend a night on an aircraft carrier. That's pretty cool Covered stuff. Covered all the presidential candidates. Yeah, exactly. You know, you get to do some pretty cool stuff with this job. But then there's you guys. <laughs> then there's, yeah, what we're not you, the one. You, you, you don't get to go backstage at Summerfest with us. Did you no. not enjoy our shoot where we shot grass this morning? Oh, well, no. Uh, the that, lawn mowing that, story? That was fine. to get me out yeah. in the sun, but, you know, there are times, uh, you know, you take me to these uh, condemned houses that have stuff that oh, I'm boy, some of those are going to have to just throw away these shoes because I don't want them coming in my house. Was that one of your stories, Brian? I don't or? know. We've had enough of these. You've, yeah. he, he, didn't you take him into one with a, wasn't there like a cat in the sink or something? Uh, was that? Was that with, I don't think that don't was with Andy. So. I did go to a house with a lot of cats. Okay, was, I've been to okay. a few houses with a lot of cats. I thought it was someone told the story of you having to use the restroom somewhere and there was like a I cat I couldn't wash my hands because there were too many cats in okay. the sink. But yeah. with Andy, I mean, we've gone to, we talk, you, said, you asked about the safety thing. We went inside the Green Bay prison yeah. for a story. That one, I think, felt more intimidating because they they close the like the iron bars behind you after you've gone through yeah, the screening you process, clank. and you realize right now I'm in prison, and you right. just kind of have this trust that you're going to get back out. <laughs> right. I think the happiest. I yeah. I, th- I think probably four or five times I've been in a prison, and I'm always until I'm like back out. I'm like, they they could probably find a reason to just keep me here, and I can't do anything about it. So that's it. not the time for me to do one of my confrontations with a guard or something? Yeah, yeah, you and your confrontations <laughs> lock the, you up. the best places, too. We've- well, when I think about some of the craziest stuff you've covered, I think about weather, because I'm, I'm sure you've covered all oh, yeah. ranges of everything and gotten pretty wet, yeah, pretty messy. Yeah, so, you know, when Moore, Oklahoma had their EF5 tornado, Ben Handelman and I uh, got sent down to, to help our sister station there and then do reports for us and it's it's unbelievable like that devastation was unbelievable and you you know it was miles around and you're like where do you start i also was uh in biloxi for hurricane katrina and you just wonder how the where you start to piece life's back together much less the devastation and then you know we're there trying to show our viewers and help other viewers kind of see what people are going through and, and tell the stories. But it takes you in some weird places. I remember in, in Moore, Oklahoma, this one guy was staying at the hotel we were at and, um, you know, we were just talking to him. And he's like, I'm, I'm not supposed to go back into my house today, but I'm, I'm going back. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. Mind if we tag along? He's like, yeah, sure. You can drive up to this point and then hop in my truck and I'll take you guys uh, across the line. And so we wind up going to his house and um, he had a shelter in his concrete garage floor. So under the car. So you lift that up and you see where they, they um, went and survived what had happened. And you're like, I can't ever imagine like this is happening. Let's get down here. And they haul the neighbors over and you're just waiting for this storm to pass, hoping you can get out. And you look in the garage and there's a two by four through the windshield of the car. There's stuff all over it. I mean, it's amazing what weather. And so that's a tornado. I went to um, Denver, Colorado for flooding there. And it's amazing what water can do. 
things. The, the power it has is crazy. And then, of course, we have our own issues with snow and tornadoes around Wisconsin as well. Uh, you know, oftentimes in the morning, out on the road, kind of driving around, giving those conditions. Fortunately, we have good vehicles here and haven't had an issue. But Well, and you've learned over the years to be prepared for any of these situations. And, and I know that Andy's prepared because it helped me out on election night this year when we were sent out. We were doing, uh, Jenna, you and I and Amanda were doing the uh, online stuff. The, the, the live. The, the, the digital. Facebook di- live. Facebook live. And, uh, and then there was suddenly this issue with late ballots coming in in Milwaukee. So they sent uh, Andy and I down to Milwaukee City Hall to cover whatever was going on with these last-minute ballots that were swinging the election. Uh, and it was cold. And yeah. I was not – I was prepared to be in all night doing this digital media stuff in the newsroom. And I'm standing outside ready to do a live shot with no coat. And Andy comes over and he's got an extra, or was it just yours? No, I think, it was, you I had think an extra at that time Fox I had an extra, yeah. One of the blue heavy shelled coats and handed it to me and said, here you go. And I thought, man, this is a guy who's prepared for anything. Yeah, like people give me a hard time about my news car because it looks like I'm packed to, you know, go on a family vacation. <laughs> I'm like, you never know when you're going to need snow pants, rain boots, or a shovel. What's the story with the shovel? Have you had, when did you need a shovel? To uh, dig out well, a- uh, you know, people get their cars stuck, you know, mm-hmm. number one, you want to have it for yourself in case you get in, stuck in snow, but occasionally you'll be doing a story on it and you don't only want to do that and go, hey, thanks, goodbye. I'm like, no, I'll grab my shovel and now help you get out. So uh, being the chief, you never know. I also learned the first thing I had to do is buy a good set of jumper cables because you would not believe how many times a car battery will die because a reporter leaves the dome light on it's doing their the makeup fault. or never. or a photographer will <laughs> you know leave a cable and the the hatch won't close so you know one more thing uh, about you in your your vehicle that stands out is you've got your lunchbox yeah. and it's got all those stickers on it it's got all kinds of what, what's the story behind a lunchbox full of stickers uh, I don't I don't remember when I exactly started this. I think it was uh, back when I worked in Green Bay. And so, I don't know, I just, I think I found a random sticker or I'd eat an apple every day or a banana and, you know, it always has a sticker on it. So rather than throwing it out, I, I would just stick it on my lunchbox. So I started doing that. They'd fall off from time to time. I'd find random stickers on the ground or somebody give me a sticker at a story. I'm like, oh, I like this. I'll throw it on. So I've just continued to do that. So there's probably, I don't know, how many? 19 years of layers of stickers on this. It's like lunch. a college football helmet for every sack, you get a sticker. Kind of, yeah. That's your... Yeah, because I, I did play football at some point, but it wasn't very good, so I didn't get many stickers. So this is my way this to do that. This is your chance. Yeah. So you're having... saying if we want to look back on Andy's career in journalism, we should just take a look at his lunchbox. I think that's one place. Yeah. Yeah. And it also helped. Uh, I know another photographer had the same lunchbox, and we didn't want to confuse. I didn't, well, I didn't want to eat what he That's not as good a story. <laughs> I like the other I know, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the dinner bell, which means it's time for our dinner party question. This is a weekly segment where we answer questions we most often get asked as journalists at parties or events or when we're out and about. Of course, the catch, we have no idea what the question is, and it looks like we've got a replenishment of questions because there's a big stack of envelopes in front of us, and only Leanne and Pete know what's in these. So we To have me, no it looks right? like a bunch of leftovers. Le- I, it's a 
you know. What does that Leftover mean? Leftover questions? Yeah, yeah, like, you oh. know, you have a dinner party, and then, you know, you have extra oh, food. Oh, we have the leftovers. We have all these leftovers. Oh, there's always some good stuff in leftovers, but then some. So, you know, choose carefully. You're still the guest. I think you should I do it again, Andy. I still have to choose? Yeah, yes, why not? Do. Okay, all right. Don't choose something that's gone bad sitting out. Yeah, it's good. All right. No double dipping either. No. Thank you. All right. Uh, what is the coolest thing you have ever seen behind the scenes of an event? Coolest thing? You, well, you probably get to see more sort of behind the scenes stuff just because you're at such cool things, like whether it's a concert or you just saw Air Force One. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can start. Do you have something that comes to mind right away? Sure. I mean, I could go on and on about this, I guess. Uh, first thing that jumps to mind, let's see. I got to spend 27 hours on a USS aircraft carrier that's pretty cool no one gets to say that i've been to the super bowl on a, in the locker rooms i got to go to the final four where the badgers lost that game but it was pretty cool to hear the how much hatred the badger players had for kentucky after they just did handshakes and come up the the tunnel that was a little surreal and then on the flip side i covered an execution once wow okay that's i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> that's let's, a shift in let's gears let's take a step Jeez. back where because we don't have the death penalty here. Correct. So where was this? And this was way early on in my career at Fox 6, so forgive me if I forget some of the details, but one of this uh, guy's victims was a seven-year-old girl in Racine at the time. I believe he killed seven people, so obviously convicted in another state to the death penalty. The mother of this girl that was killed wanted to go witness this, and so Maury Glover, a reporter, and I went to uh, Ohio to cover this. So talk about behind... Now, maybe it doesn't fit coolest, coolest thing, but, but memorable. most dramatic thing you've seen. What was it like being behind the scenes of an execution? And by the way, I don't know that we're going to have anything to share after this, I'm, Jenna, because I don't... Wow. But uh, Well, so... I had no idea. Yeah. We didn't witness it. We didn't have our cameras rolling there. They put us in a cafeteria. Uh, we knew what time it was going to take place. They took the, the family members that wanted to see it to see it. There was one pool member of the media who got to witness it and then come back, kind of gave us a rundown of what it was like, and then we got to ask some questions. And then the family members from all the different victims who wanted to witness it came in uh, to this cafeteria area too. Uh, We got to talk to them as well. So you didn't see, you weren't personally in there because you weren't pool for that, but what was it like just in that sort of waiting time? I mean, do you hear the clock ticking? Kind of. That's, That's one thing that I stick in my head. We knew it was supposed to happen I think at one o'clock and, and you're sitting there watching the clock, you're like 1259, one o'clock, like you, just your mind is kind of going, wow, what is happening just, you know, down the hall and it, it kind of makes your mind spin. Wow. That That's is surreal. very memorable. Well, again, not, but again, not one of the thing. coolest things. Okay. So coolest was, thing. Oh, it's hard though, right? It's, when it's there's the, so many things. There are that so many things. To. I don't know, Jenna, do you have one that's standing well, out to you? The, this is the hard thing. At the moment, it happens. You, I, there are plenty of moments during this job where you stand back and go, wow, this is really cool being you know, behind stage for something like this. But I'm having trouble picking one because, I mean, when you cover the sporting events, that's always cool. I mean, the first time I got to go on the field at Camp Randall was pretty exciting for me since I was a student at Wisconsin. You know, behind the scenes at Lambeau Field, you know, on the field of Miller Park and the dugout, that stuff's really fun. And not everybody gets to go there. But I'm having a really hard time 
pinpointing one thing because there's just so many cool moments. We go to these political events and afterwards we get to go backstage and interview the politician. So there's just so many cool opportunities that this job provides. I'm I'm really struggling to find just Pete's one. Pete's back over here raising his hand. What, what? are you Pete, what are you talking Paul about? Paul McCartney. Oh, oh. That wasn't for work. Should I just oh. share my Paul McCartney oh, story anyway? Cool. No. <laughs> I ran into Paul McCartney on my way to Summerfest one year just walking. Um, just as a general citizen, you just, just ran into Paul Just as a general Paul citizen, McCartney. he probably thought that happened at work. Yeah. No, but uh, I said hello to him and didn't know who it was. And he was about a foot, <laughs> he was about a foot from my face, looked me right in the face and said hello and hopped off on a bicycle. And you didn't know? I knew who it was. Oh, okay. I just didn't know until I approached him. Oh, you didn't know until you got by, right there and realized. I was just walking by. I was just being friendly. Okay. I saw a guy getting out of a car. I said hello, and it was Paul McCartney. Wow. But that was not at work. That's still a cool thing <laughs> you've seen. Cool. I'm I'm struggling with this because for so long now I've been doing investigations that, you know, it, I have a great job, and it's, I mean, I have great hours, and I have, you know, I get so much time to put into stories that I'd never complain about the job I have, but I don't often get to do things like going to cover Air Force One or the Super Bowl or whatever. So I'm not often sort of behind the scenes of a lot of things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, you know, we talked about touring a prison and and or, or jail, county jail, and, you know, sometimes you, you're, you're inside and you realize I'm in a place that I really never wanted to be and I don't want to ever be here against my will, but it's, I guess, fascinating to see sort of what's gone or that, that place that so many people go to um, that you report on mm-hmm. and you never really see the inside of. So I guess that was interesting. Again, was it cool? I don't know if I'd say it's cool to be inside county jail um, w- or state prison. I went on an honor flight once. That was pretty cool. I mean, going with all the World War II veterans and the Vietnam veterans, that was pretty neat to be a part of. Just because you knew how much it meant to them and we had this whole fun day in D.C., that was pretty cool. But like, I wish I had a great anecdote of like being behind the scenes and then just when we got off camera, like a presidential candidate some, said some crazy offhand thing. But I don't really have anything that's coming right to mind. Now, we're going to get done here. You'll think of it I'll tomorrow. I'll come up with 10 things. <laughs> So we'll have to talk about your next episode, I guess, if that question gets drawn again. Now, I mean, I remember before I got into investigations, um, you know, covering things like I mean, and this was smaller town. I was in it was in Des Moines, Iowa and covered a a, a big county fair. And I still remember Martina McBride was playing when she was a big deal as a country star. And I got to go backstage to interview her. And I just remember as a, a young cub reporter thinking how cool something like that was to get that sort of access and sort of see that behind the scenes they were in like a, a mobile trailer. And I thought, you're like this big star. At the time, she was a huge country star and just kind of hanging out in a small trailer. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. You would expect it to be like in the movies. There's some, you know, posh bus or whatever it was, and it wasn't. But, I, you know, again, I don't think I've gotten to see a lot of that because I got away from, you know, feature reporting and things like that. Right. We sort of keep you locked up. In a in room with dark, no windows. One light bulb and a yeah. typewriter still. That, that was – years ago, that was a promo we did for the investigative unit. It was literally <laughs> a bare light bulb hanging over my head and me like going through records. And it's that's not – That's how it's done, It's right? not that far from it sometimes. <laughs> There's maybe – I mean the light bulb has a cover, but that's about it. Well, if you have a question you want to ask the Open Record team, please let us know. You can shoot us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. Thanks for listening to Open Record. If you enjoy listening, let us know. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, before we go, we want to be sure to thank Chief Photojournalist Andy Conkle for joining us these last couple of weeks. Andy, it's been great having you here. And thanks to all the other people that bring this together, producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Leanne Watson. And if you want to hear more Open Record, just head to our website, fox6now.com. 
Tribune Audio Network.